Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, uh, formerly of 24-7 Sports, and before that, uh, Scout.com, where I was the lead MLB draft and prospect analyst for both of those sites. Now I get to talk about the Indians all the time from the uh, friendly confines of my podcasting basement studio, living up to the stereotype I know. It's a fun show today, though. Uh, something I had promised earlier in the week, if you listen to Monday's show, where I went in-depth on finances and the fact that yes it's great that the indians spent over they spent 13 million when the upper end of their expected spending was 10 million it is still not great that this was a team that was projected to i believe have an 88 million dollar payroll last year uh is now down to having about a 44 million dollar payroll not the lowest um but uh close to the pirates for that title Today's show, as promised, we're going to dive into lineups. We're going to try to figure out what the Indians lineup is going to look like on opening day. And then on the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the August lineup, what I'm projecting into the future. Based on what we know now, uh, things like service time and the like, if service time is new to you, that is the reason why top prospects get held down. Uh, It is the reason why Andres Jimenez is likely to not start the season in Cleveland. He is going to spend uh, some time not with the team because it's going to give the Indians another year of team control. That's just the way the system works. So I won't see Nolan Jones for a while either. Both of those names, though, will come up when we talk about the August projected lineup. So let's dive into this. Let's just talk about positions before we figure out where everyone's going to go. Eddie Rosario, he's been a left fielder almost his entire career. We're going to slot him in there. Cesar Hernandez, he's returned to second. You have an MVP candidate and Jose Ramirez at third base. Those are, and catcher is Roberto Perez and uh, Austin Hedges. I think those are the ones you can put in ink. Those are the positions we know are set. We know that somewhere, probably at DH, we'll have Fran Mill Reyes. And then right now it's looking like Josh Naylor will play first base. And we assume right field is going to be Jordan Luplo versus lefties. Versus righties, the question comes down to, Daniel Johnson or Jake Bowers and center field comes down to Oscar Mercado or Daniel Johnson. When we're discussing that position shortstop, I want to make sure I get it right. Cause I feel like I've been uh, getting it wrong is Ahmed Rosario. Um, let me know out there. I, pronunciation is always a tricky beast with me, but uh, I think barring a trade, we will see Ahmed Rosario uh, holding that, holding down that position to start the year. And I mean, that pretty much takes care of your lineup. Now the debates essentially come down to who's in right field, who's going to be the caddy for Jordan Luplo uh, when Luplo is, you know, Luplo is the lefty killer. So he is in the skinny part of that platoon. So are they going to run out Daniel Johnson or they are, go- are they going to run out Jake Bowers? I think, I mean, Bowers, we expect will make the team. He is out of options. He's either with the Indians or he's not there at all anymore. Like that's just the way it works. He has no more options left. He has to cut camp with the team. Johnson has two options left. Um, Mercado has one left. Luplo, I don't think you worry about sending him down. He has one left in terms of the guys that we think will make this roster. I think... No, it, it's really, I think, honestly, this position, this right field spot, uh, Bowers versus Johnson is just going to be spring training, a spring training battle, a legitimate one. Whoever comes out on top gets that spot. 
I was a big fan of Bowers when they acquired him. Uh, I remember reading a piece a few years ago. Um, I think it was by Keith Law about the idea that some teams were intentionally promoting players at a younger age because if they performed well, they became a much better trade asset. Essentially, they're trying to inflate uh, trade value of prospects by pushing them up their system quicker. And I mean, when you look at at Bowers, that might have been the case because, I mean, even in spite of that knowledge, we know the number one indicator of future success is uh, age relative to level success. And Bowers was always the youngest player at, you know, or one of the youngest players at each of his stops for some, whatever reason, while he's found success at every stop in the minors, it just has not translated to the majors. We've seen that before. Um, Matt Laporta comes to mind. I mean, he was able to mash at every level and just could not do anything when he got to the big leagues. I don't necessarily want to put a Laporta label on anyone, but right now with Bowers, I just, I have more confidence in Johnson than Bowers. And I expect, uh, I think also because the tools are better. He's a much better athlete. The arm is better. He's a better runner. That's really his position to to lose at this point in time. Uh, the problem for Bowers gets amplified, though, with Naylor essentially taking over in first base. Now, Naylor isn't the best against lefties, but that's not where Bowers helps you out. That's not where his uh, platoon split is at its best. Uh, they're kind. Of, he's uh, kind of redundant, let's just be honest, when it comes to Bowers. So I'm going to project right now Johnson, Luplo in right field, Mercado in center, and then shortstop. You know, I don't think it's really much of a battle, but Ahmed Rosario there. So what does this overall team lineup look like? I think most would agree Cesar Hernandez is probably your leadoff hitter. Now the two spot is where it gets interesting. By advanced thoughts that's clearly where you want jose ramirez because your number one hitter should be in the two spot you want to get him as many at bats as possible and you you're kind of you're front loading your lineup you want your best hitters all in a row because that gives you your best chance at success i don't know if the indians would do that but then again they don't really have anyone that profiles as a traditional number two we talked about last year that like oscar mercado was the guy they're kind of hoping would be a one or two and instead I mean, he had a negative uh, runs created plus last year, which is something I'd never seen in a player. They don't, who are you going to put in that spot? Part of me wonders if they would consider Josh Naylor there. Um, You know, he's done some, I don't think he's ever going to be a huge power guy, but he's always on base skills or what kind of stand out for him. So I think I could see a world where you go Hernandez, Naylor, Ramirez, and then Rosario, Franmel. Eddie Rosario, I should say, since there are two. Um, me personally, I would just put uh, Ramirez at two. But I think if we are trying to project what the Indians will do and not necessarily what I would do, I think Cesar Hernandez followed by Josh Naylor, then Jose Ramirez. Because again, then you get switch hitter, lefty switch hitter. In the four spot, I mean, Eddie Rosario has had more success than Fran Mill at this point in time. So you have him at four, then you got another lefty there. So then you got your righty and Fran Mill in the five spot with the way they like to break up lineups. Um, I could see a flip there as well, where they do Fran Mill four and Eddie five, because when you talk about who's left, well, you got Roberto Perez, a righty, uh, 
Ahmed Rosario, a righty. Daniel Johnson, who is a lefty, but who's going to platoon with uh, with Luplo. So in situation, certain situations, that's another righty. It it does. I, I'm now kind of changing my tune just because we know how much. Uh, even though you can't use loogies anymore, you can't have a lefty come out and face one guy. With the way uh, Terry likes to balance his lineup, I'm I'm going to change it. So Cesar Hernandez one, Naylor two. Uh, three Jose Ramirez, four Fran Mill, five Eddie Rosario. That then sets them up. If it's a lefty, I think Leplo is your six. If it's not a lefty, um, it gets a little more tricky. So let's just stick with the left-handed lineup. I think you have Leplo batting sixth, seventh Roberto Perez, and then Rosario eight. Uh, Ahmed Rosario eight and nine Oscar Mercado until he shows some form of consistency. Uh, if it's a righty, I, this is where it gets tricky because it really is, it, you know, Perez is not ideal in that situation. Uh, do you trust someone like Johnson just because he's a lefty? I, I feel like it might be close to a same lineup. Uh, I could see them going actually Ahmed Rosario even though the splits aren't great, I'll be honest. Um, against Ready, I can still see them since he's had some success and experience in the bigs. At six, seven being uh, Roberto Perez, eight being Daniel Johnson, and then nine being Mercado, because again, last year was just such a disaster. And that kind of gives us a basic look at what I think this lineup's going to look like now. <laughs> If you go back and you take out Cesar Hernandez and you take out Eddie Rosario, boy, does this lineup look uh, significantly scarier and it's a lot harder to put together. But as of now, I think that is the lineup that makes the most sense. That is the one we are likely to see. Now this lineup is very likely to have some massive changes when we get to midseason. But before I spend the time and dive into you know, what the midseason lineup is going to look like, Let's take a quick break for our sponsors, BuiltBar.com. So if you've listened to the show, you know I love Built Bar. Uh, I had the cookies and cream and the chocolate fudge brownie were my lunch today. Uh, It is just a go-to for me. I only have about 20 minutes uh, for lunch every day. And I like to read a sports article and just sit there, pull down my mask, and have a Built Bar or two. If I'm really hungry, occasionally a third one. Sometimes if I have to work late, that is like my aftermeal snack as well. I am fully committed to Built Bar. And the best deal you will find on Built Bar is using the promo code we give you, which is locked on, the 20% off. That's what I use when I buy. Uh, they have so many great products. When I get done with my coffee, I put in a Built Bar Boost, currently doing the pineapple apricot with that one. Uh, I'm just Built Bar all the way through. I'm looking forward on my next order. I'm going to try their bone broth. They have so many products. They completely redid everything in July. So if you tried them before, uh, you have not tried them at their best. If you have not tried since their rebrand over the summer, it's all great. Get the mix box. You won't regret it. Builtbar.com using that promo code locked on. Our other sponsor is Rock Auto. This is another sponsor who's been with us for a long time. I am not car savvy. I can't really do anything with my car, but I can still navigate the rockauto.com site. You want to go to rockauto.com. Check it out because it's just, it's having, uh, you know, a catalog. It's a resource for you in your back pocket. You can always make sure you're getting the right deal. And when you see that you're going to get the massive savings through Rock Auto, you place the order, it comes to you. 
take to your mechanic and have them put it in your car for you, you're going to save money. It's a family owned business. They have one central location. They keep that overhead down, pass the savings on to you. And when in the little, how did you hear about us box? So they know who sent you put locked on, put locked on Indians, put locked on MLB, whatever you want. Just let them know locked on sent you. This is a way to be an advocate for yourself. We all know when you go to get your car fixed, that that is a situation where you don't have power. Rockauto.com empowers you. It gives you the information you need to make sure you are getting the right deal on your car. You may not always use it to buy a part, but sooner or later, you're going to find the deals are too good to not buy parts. And when you do, again, say that you heard about it through Locked On and the How'd You Hear About Us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you'll ever need. Rockauto.com. And lastly, get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. So what's this team going to look like in August, we'll say? post-deadline, just give them as much time as possible. I think there'll be some changes. Um, number one, Andres Jimenez is going to take over a short. I just think that is uh, inevitable at this point in time. He is a much better defender. Uh, the data on Ahmed Rosario is not great at short. Uh, that's why it's been interesting to see interest from a team like the Reds. Now, I know the Reds, they had their top prospect is a shortstop as well. Um just to throw that out there, I'm kind of surprised they don't want to run. I think it's Jose Garcia is his name off the top of my head. But for whatever reason, uh, if they want to go out and get Rosario, it's interesting because the data has been pretty terrible. Now, he's a great athlete. He runs well. He has a strong arm. That's why I think either as a super utility guy, someone who plays you know, almost every game, plays four to five games, plays someone left, plays someone right, plays someone center, plays some short, plays some second – Every day, giving someone a day off, uh, that old Tony Phillips type of role, I could see that. I could also see him switching to center field, because let's be honest, uh, Oscar Mercado has been incredibly inconsistent. Even in his good season, he was up and down month to month in that one. Uh, in his time in the minors, he was, you know, as a guy who was a high pick as a shortstop, bounced around, had a hard time uh, just figuring out a position and a home. He's a... Uh, I can't say the word, but wow, has a lot of, uh, you all know the word I'm trying to say when you're, you know, something's very volatile. There we go. He has high, he's very volatile. We're just going to leave it at that pronunciation again, sometimes hard for me, but he's a very volatile, volatile player. And then you have Daniel Johnson, who I'm really high on, uh, what he did in that first year when they got him in the Jan Gomes deal was kind of prove a lot of naysayers wrong. A lot of people who just labeled him a fourth outfielder who thought he's no worse than a platoon talent just because, I mean, he probably has the best arm in the Indian system, just off the top. Excellent runner, top shelf athlete. The athleticism was never the debate. The question was, would he hit enough to unlock the power and use that speed? And he finally started to show a little bit more discrimination back in 2019. I don't know why he didn't play last year. I don't know why Kai Tom didn't play last year. I don't know why they played... Delano DeShields and Domingo Santana so much. I don't have an answer for you there. But hopefully, basically, either Johnson Mercado or Ahmed Rosario, one of these guys is going to end up being your center fielder. Hopefully one of them comes through. That's the hope. What's going to happen in right field, though, 
is I think we're going to see Nolan Jones when the minor league season starts playing right field almost exclusively in the minors. Uh, he has some pretty big platoon splits. Uh, the power is legit and the walk rate is fantastic. He really struggles with his lefties, makes him an ideal guy to platoon with Luplo. Just get the best part out of him, work him in. Maybe eventually he can get to being a guy where he's just a little suboptimal there. But when you already have someone like Luplo, who's just not good last year, but you go back to 2019 because 2020 data in and of itself, you just kind of want to throw it out. There's not enough there. You know, it's such an odd season. I mean, Luplo was fantastic against lefties. He was one of the best hitters in all of baseball. So you have a potential for a lot of offense there. Jones was drafted as a shortstop at a Holy Ghost High School in Pennsylvania. Uh, he was always thought that he was going to move to the outfield. You know, he's a big kid. I know it only says six two, but I'm six feet tall. He felt bigger than that to me when I was uh, interviewing him in Double A. Uh, and he's always a good athlete. He can run well. Uh, the thought was outfield for him. The Indians moved him to third. Hasn't always been smooth, if we're being honest there. So, I mean, outfield still makes the most sense. I think you're looking at him moving into that spot. Uh, center field, I already talked about, I think, basically between Rosario, Mercado, and Johnson, whoever performs is going to be your guy getting the majority of the reps in center field. And then uh, Jimenez will take over at shortstop, much to the relief of the pitching staff, because that's going to be a massive change because Jimenez was about a league average bat is a 20 what 21 year old a year ago essentially played most of the season uh 21 22 turned 22 I believe during the season uh very young player and he was league average which uh, that does show a guy who there could be something there uh, a little bit more this is going to get me in so much trouble but I'm just going to state it the profile is not dissimilar to what Frankie Lindor was supposed to be when he came up. Frankie Lindor was a very well-received prospect. Uh, he was going to be an above-average offensive shortstop who would win some gold gloves with his defense. That was the profile. 40 home runs was never part of the profile anywhere. Uh, what he became offensively was not what anyone expected and not what he had shown in the minors, if we're being honest. Uh, I was one of those people like, we need to calm down expectations because people are acting like he's going to be an MVP and that's not what the profile is because we always hype up our prospects. I can think of many examples of hype prospects. So when I say that the profile is not dissimilar, now Lindor did have more natural power and was bigger than Jimenez. Uh, but there is, again, some similarities there uh, in terms of uh, production. Now, I think, again, he'll, if nothing else, he's going to slot in and should be pretty much even defensively to what Lindor was and a big step up from Ahmed Rosario. And also when you're bringing him in and you're switching those two out, you're bringing in another left-handed bat. Uh, and if they take out Rosario, you get another right-handed bat or you're taking out a right-handed bat in the lineup, which is also going to allow the lineup to be a little more balanced. Uh, if you're asking about Bobby Bradley, pitch recognition, not great. The bat is slow. Um, I mean, I've been wrong before. I said very similar things about Jesus Aguilar and he's turned into a MLB average regular type of guy. I uh, Aguilar did have a better eye at the plate. It was just a slow bat was always my concern. And Bobby Bradley needs to do. I can't see him making a lot of sense right now. Uh, the other prospects you should really know, depending on performance, I don't know where you would find a spot for Owen Miller. One of the other big pieces 
in that trade with San Diego. I believe at the end of the season, he needs to be added to the 40 man. Someone who could, uh, should one would assume get a shot or a look at some point this year, probably more of a second baseman, some talk of third base, but I mean, it's a former second round pick. Uh, very high value player when you look at where he was drafted and how he has performed in the minors. I know not always a top 10 guy in with Cleveland or San Diego, but in the San Diego system, he was like 11th or 12th. And the San Diego system was considered the top prospect system at the time. So it is a little odd to me that he is not, he's sliding down the Indians one. And I, I get it to the degree of this is a guy, it's not the sexiest profile, but he is still a player who has been extremely productive and should be an above average utility player to a solid average starter. He could be Joey Wendell, just to give another comparison to a former prospect. So uh, those are kind of the big prospects. I would, you know, Jimenez will get called up. You'll have Jones that comes up. I don't think you see a Ty Freeman this year. I don't think you see a lot of the other guys who are kind of amongst their big name prospect lists for the Indians, but I mean, at the same time, Nolan Jones should come up. I mean, that's, that's the number one prospect in my mind. I'm still not hundred percent sold. I've been very honest on Tristan McKenzie. So to me, Jones is the only true blue chip guy in system guys like Valera and Rocoyo, Freeman, Espino, they're farther away. Gabriel Arias is on the 40 man. He could be, well, there aren't really, there isn't that room for that September call up anymore. So it's, Oh, he's a September call up type, but I don't necessarily think we see, that anytime soon with him the big prospects really the guys just look for midseason are likely to be nolan jones andres jimenez maybe an owen miller and then you're hoping that someone like daniel johnson who is still a prospect and emmanuel classe who is also still a prospect that those guys step up that they overperform uh and they basically make them impossible to ignore i don't know how i want to label like Logan Allen, number one, Scott Moss, Eli Morgan, guys I really believe in were kind of that pitching depth in the upper uh, minors. It's nice to have that uh, for them. But I think with when you're talking about this Indians team, let's just do very quickly that projected lineup. How do things change with the players I am projecting to come up and join this team? Number one doesn't change. It's still going to be Cesar Hernandez. That is a situation where he is pretty easy just to put it uh, your shortstop not your shortstop I should say second base lead opposition and leave there I think when you look at what Jimenez does with his speed the good K rate the the ability to draw some walks steal some bases I think he could move into the two spot honestly and that's one of those things then you have him there it's going to if he can be a league average bat with his defense I mean that's going to make this lineup a lot better Andres Jimenez shortstop in the in the two hole your three spot jose ramirez we're just assuming they're going to put him there uh because that's a traditional place to put your best hitter even though again the advanced numbers show that you want him actually in the two hole so now you got shortstop or shortstop you got switch hitter lefty switch hitter uh left field uh jimenez is because now all of a sudden you have someone like josh naylor there so you can put rosario four left-handed bat in the four hole because we again we know tito loves to go lefty righty lefty righty while that is not as important to do anymore I still think it habits are hard to break, but when you can move Naylor down, all of a sudden Eddie Rosario four hole uh, left field, Fran Mill Reyes right-handed bat in the five spot DH batting six. Then Josh Naylor first baseman left-handed seven spot would be Luplo versus lefties right field left or right-handed. Uh, then you'd have Roberto Perez in the eighth spot, right field right-handed. 
Right field. Whew. Late night over here. I'm sorry, people. Roberto Perez, catcher, right-handed bat. And the nine hole. You know, this is where, is it Mercado? Is it Ahmed Rosario? Is it Daniel Johnson? I can't see them carrying two platoons. I can't see a Mercado Johnson platoon. Um, I am tempted. I mean, they believed in Rosario enough to go out and make him the number two piece in a deal of trading. And again, it's important to note, I had a lot of uh, a lot of angry Braves fans I talked about who were trying to talk about how the Indians, and I already talked about the whole top 100 prospects comments from people and why that's junk, but how the Indians didn't get any top 100 guys uh, for Lindor. And I'm like, well, one year of Lindor has limited value as opposed to three years of, of Jose Ramirez. And while Lindor and Carrasco did have a degree of limited value, the Indians clearly like Ahmed Rosario. Now, as we've seen, there are other teams that are in need at shortstop, and that is why the Indians are making this ridiculous pipeline of shortstop talent, because there is always a need. There are always teams that have needs. But also, when you go back to 2019 and you look at the performance data, that year, Rosario was an above-league average bat. He wasn't a great bat, but he did enough out there where, again, this is someone who's a plus runner. I'm hoping he'll get some time in center in the spring because I think that could be his best natural position by far. 2019, 15 home runs, a 99 WRC plus, so right about league average, 2.7 war. Interesting that Fangraph's defensive war actually does not mind him at short, but other places really strongly dislike his, his defensive ability there. But if you have, again, about a league average bat in center field, um, and he's that right-hander. The one problem there is, is you have all the right-handers in a row, uh, specifically when you're facing lefties. And then I would think that how it would work out when you have, a uh, you know, the, uh, the right-hander on the mound, you would then probably go with Perez, Roberto Perez, catcher, right-handed seven, Nolan Jones, right field, left-handed in the eighth spot. And then that leaves you with Ahmed Rosario, center field, right-handed in the nine spot, even though Rosario might be the better hitter when he is healthy. Uh, just again, like one of those things, the nine spot is a place where they have always shown a propensity to want someone who has some speed. He is the speed guy amongst that group. And again, I mean, just when you think about how much better this lineup projects for August, you can kind of see why the Indians are likely to stand pat. Why they're not going to go out and add a bat. If they had anything, it'd be a lefty reliever at this point in time. Because Nolan Jones hitting eighth, uh, if you saw some of the early Zips projections, he was projected when they still had Frankie Lindor to be the third most productive hitter on the Indians if he was given a full season. Offensively, he was going to be no worse than fourth by those projections. Talking about him in the eighth spot. It's uh, it's certainly an interesting team. And then you can just look through that lineup. Uh, all the recent trade acquisitions, when you consider, uh, and the free agent signings, it's it's not a lot of homegrown talent. You got Roberto Perez, you got Jose Ramirez, and that's that's about it. Everyone else was uh, was came from outside the organization uh, through trades. I mean, and, and a few in free agency with the latest two guys, but a lot of trades there uh, to get this lineup together. Just Perez and uh, Jose Ramirez being homegrown. We'll see what uh, what the future may hold. But again, when you're looking at that August, September, maybe July lineup, talk about a team that could all of a sudden have Ahmed Rosario can go back to his 2019 data. If Jordan Leplo goes back to his 2019 data, Nolan Jones 
in an eighth spot that that's a fun team to think about, right? That's a fun lineup. It's an interesting lineup. And that is why these additions are so big. It, it those additions plus finally being able to call up the top prospects. are going to set this team up uh, fantastically. Uh, they should, I mean, they were so miserable <laughs> a year ago uh, in that outfield that anything is an upgrade and the amount of growth. You were so far below average to get to average when you can add an average about it, it's just going to, be a huge improvement for this team and the chance to look at an outfield with Eddie Rosario, Nolan Jones slash Luplo, and then hopefully someone can step out of that center field mix. I went with um, uh, Rosario just because he's had the highest prospect uh, profile, former top 10 prospect in all of baseball, has the loudest tools and does have uh, one season of success as a hitter. Anyone could step up. We'll have to wait and see. But that is my attempt at projecting what the lineup will look like opening day and what it'll look like as this team tries to compete for a wild card. Um, I think the division's going to be very tough, but you know the Twins haven't gotten any better right now. They're a team that has just kind of sat on the sidelines. We assume they might re-sign uh, Nelson Cruz at some point, but I believe that has not happened yet. Uh, they've missed out on starting pitching, which is a desperate need for them. We'll see if they can bring back Jake Odorizzi. I've said you know way too many times on the podcast today. But uh, with the Twins not having gotten better, with the White Sox having gotten better, I think the wild card is still an area that the Indians could compete for, try to sneak into the playoffs that way. We're unlikely to get the expanded playoffs like a year ago, so they have to try to win about 90 games. And with the pitching staff, and the additions they've made, and then the young players that are on the cusp of helping, I think it can happen. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That is very helpful. If you're liking the video, make sure to check out the podcast as well. I'm talking about the Indians currently three days a week, and when the season starts, five days a week. All the Indians talk you could ever want. I finished laying out, uh, going back to my writing days, my first round Mach 2.0. Unfortunately, from my walk, my walk, nope, again, past midnight, my time, my mock 1.0, the Khalil Watson, the player I projected to the Indians, who was someone I was very high on, had a great fall late summer and has shot up boards and will not be there when the Indians select in the mock. Very unlikely to be there in real life was a guy who did fit their profile. So you'll have to uh, check out the mock. I will be posting that through my Twitter at Jeff MLB draft when it goes up. Also talking about it on the show, of course. And as the college baseball season begins, it is February. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to go to games. That's always a thing with the world today. But uh, yeah, I will be covering a lot of that. So if you're not someone who is necessarily the biggest Indians person, I don't know necessarily why you're watching, but hey, who knows what you, you know, you might just check it out because it popped into your, uh, your video feed. But I'm also going to have a lot, a lot on the draft as well. And the podcast will also have a lot on the draft. So if you're curious about the MLB draft, check out the podcast. I've been covering it since 2012, and I was a national writer on it for nine years. So uh, it's a passion. It's something I love. In addition to the Indians, that's going to be a heavy part of this podcast over the next few months. Again, I've been Jeff Ellis. I know it says it on the screen here for the video, but you can, for those who are listening, thank you for downloading. A and B. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft to find things like that mock or my big board when I post them. I've been Jeff Ellis. This is Lockdown Indians Podcast. And for the next year at least, go tribe.